0: Well, this is week number two of a four-part series, and it's called I Quit. I know for me and my life, um, life can be difficult. And I have a tendency, when things are kind of tough or or irritating, I, I have a tendency to think about that. And I also have a tendency to just kind of dwell on it and think about it all day long. And if it's really bad, then I might think about it for days at a time. And it affects my face, the way that people see me, If I'm thinking about it, I'm kind of showing it through my face. It affects my pace of life, uh, the way that I just interact. And and people can tell when things are kind of going wrong or they're kind of bothering me. And then, though, they might think something's wrong, but then I'm going to eventually open my mouth and I'm going to let it out. And they're going to know without a doubt what's wrong and why something's wrong. They're going to know all about it because I talk about it. Um, and then I, as I start talking about it, then I can't really stop, it seems like, and then I think about it more. And then I get more irritated. Then I talk about it again. And when I talk about it again, then I think about it some more. And then I get more irritated, and then I talk about it again. it's this vicious cycle for me that I talk about it, think about it, and I talk about it, and I think about it, and I talk about it, and, and I just it seems like I just complain and complain and I can't stop. I get trapped in this... Negative cycle. I, I'm wondering, am I alone in that? Does that, probably not, right? We, a lot of us have that same tendency. It's just kind of the way life is. So often, listen to this, I wrote this down. We get down and out on what gets up and in our way. If it slows me down, if it makes me frown, or if I have to just simply go around. If we don't care for the sound, volume too hot or too soft, music too old or too new, the sound too quiet or much, much too loud to play, if it interrupts my day, if it causes me to work, or if I think it's unfair, if you get in front or get ahead, that's when I really care. It's not how I want it or... If it's not how I envisioned or presented, it only takes a tiny change to get me upended. I think about it deep down in my mind. Then I talk about it all the time. This little negative thing that holds me so tight. After all, you know I'm always completely right. But that's wrong, isn't it? It's wrong. We know that's wrong. And I guess for me, maybe this could be for you too. I know it is for me. It's not really always about being right. For me, it's usually about being annoyed or being inconvenienced. That's a big one. So if we're going to quit something today with this series called I Quit, let us consider maybe we should quit complaining. Let me catch you up with where we are in this story that we're looking at in the Old Testament. So you know this nation called Israel. God told them, as long as you serve me and follow me and keep me first place in your life, then I'm going to protect you and, and you will be successful. That's what he told them. Well, we know they had trouble with that. They didn't. And God said, Okay, finally, is okay, I'm I'm going to allow you to be captured held captive, and it'll last for about 70 years, and that's what happened. That's where we get the story of Daniel and the lion's den. You may have heard that, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who got thrown into the fiery furnace. Maybe you heard that as children. That's where all that happened. They were, Israel was wiped out, and they were taken captive. That's where all that happened. They were held captive for 70 years, as God said they would be. Then a a remnant, a small handful of them, were then allowed to go back and rebuild the temple. That was very important to to them and actually very important to us as well. So they began to rebuild the temple, took them years and years to do it. They did that. And then a little while later, the king allowed... uh, uh, a remnant, another small group, to go back and begin to rebuild the wall that surrounded uh, the city of Jerusalem, which the temple was inside of that wall. That's another big deal, because if the wall's not there, they are completely vulnerable to all their enemies, all the people that wanted to have control and power over Israel. They were vulnerable because they had no protection, no walls, no gates. They didn't have it. So that is where they were. And Nehemiah is now sent back. The king sends them and allows them to rebuild this wall, to begin this process. And the time frame now, we're about 160, somewhere around there, 160 years from the time that Daniel and his buddies were captured so that gives you a period of time there so let's jump in and begin with a little scripture on what's going on here in Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1 Sanballat who he's one of the leaders of a clan a nation around Israel and in he's in in conjunction working with Uh, some of the other nations that surround Israel. It says Samballot was very angry when he learned that they were rebuilding the wall because Samballot wanted control and power and wanted to be able to threaten Israel, but he couldn't if they get the walls up. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews. Now, here's just a note. The Israelites did not have to go looking for trouble. They didn't have to go looking for, for negativity and negative things it just found them in this instance and many others it just found them and that's true for you and me as well we really don't have to go looking for negative things we don't have to look for it it's going to come to us just us living and trying to live our lives the way God wants us to live our lives just making an effort to do that negative nasty junk is just going to find you just like it did here, the Israelites. So let me kind of paraphrase how this story is going. So Sam, Sam Ballot, this leader of this this group, and some of the other nations around the area, they began making fun of the, the Jewish people. They began taunting them, intimidating them, mocking them. They were like, you guys, how are you going to take care of all of this mess? It's just a bunch of rubble, and you're just a rabble. You're not going to be able to do it. You're just You're just a bunch of silly Jews, worthless, not going to be able to make this happen. It's a giant wall you're trying to to put together, and you're not going to be able to do it. You're worthless. And so he's mocking them. He's tearing them down. Nehemiah does what he did so well. He stops, and he calls out to God, and he prays. He said, God, listen, do not ignore what's going on here. Don't ignore that they're mocking us and trying to tear us down. Don't ignore that because we know you're an amazing God, a strong, powerful God. You can take care of us. So he just takes it. Now the wall gets finished to half, one half of its height that it's going to be. Halfway there was not enough. Still completely vulnerable. Those walls could be breached easily. Just halfway done. And the S- Sam Ballot and the other nations now get really angry because they see progress being made. And so they turn up the heat, they get very threatening, and they're mocking them, and they're trying to scare them and intimidate them with negativity. They're furious. So let's jump into now verse 8. They all made plans, these other nations, Nehemiah speaking in the first person here, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and to throw us into confusion. They didn't really care about the nation. They didn't want the wall built so that Israel could be intimidated and controlled. That's what they wanted. Verse 9, Nehemiah did what he did really well. But we prayed to our God and then... We guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. They prayed to God, and they put a plan into action. They didn't just stay there, just just vulnerable. They, They did say, Nehemiah prayed to God, and then immediately put a plan together. Verse 10, but things change. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The, wor- the workers, they said, the workers are getting tired, and there's so much rubble to be moved. We're never going to be able to build the walls by ourselves. They begin to listen to what Sam Ballot was actually saying to them, and they begin to, to to listen to it, and they begin to believe it for themselves, and they begin complaining and just griping and just grumbling and just moaning. There's always negativity nearby. It's always close by. It's never going to be far. Something happens over here, over there, and it irritates me. This is kind of how it works for me. I see something. Maybe it's directly related to me or not. Maybe I just see it. Or maybe it is something that involves me and it just irritates me. Here's what I do. I think about that. I think about it. And I'm probably going to say something about it, too. So I say something about it. I, I complain a little bit. I'm just like, you know, this, this is just irritating me. And I complain. Then once I say something about it, then I start thinking about it some more. And the more I think about it, the more it irritates me. And then I, I say something else. I complain again. And then I, once I say something else about it, then I think about it some more. and I, Then I get more irritated and Then I say something else, and I just keep going, and I think about it, and I get irritated, and I say something about it, and and it's this cycle I get trapped in, and it just spirals me into a negative, bad place that's just pretty disgusting, and and nobody's happy around me at that point. And I just repeat that cycle. That's what Israel was doing. I would... Just imagine some of us, not just me in this room, have that same problem. We think about it. And then we say something about it. And we think about it and say something and we think. Here's what that does. It focuses. When we complain, it focuses our words and our thoughts and our emotions It focuses it all on the problem. And we stay right there at the problem with our words, our thoughts, and our emotions. And as long as we do that, we constantly avoid the solution. Therefore, we are trapped in a cycle. And the solution is always just Beyond us. Complaining. It is not something that was new to the Israelites. <laughs> they had a long history of complaining. It was a recurring problem. And the truth is, it actual, their complaining actually offended God. Let me give you a snapshot of that. Snapshots all through scripture, here's just one numbers chapter eleven verse one. Soon the people began to complain about their hardships, and the Lord heard everything they said. you know a lot of times when we complain, we just begin to mumble God hears it all, and hear's it precisely and clearly and God heard their complaining and their mumbling and listen to what happened he heard everything they said then the Lord's anger Blazed against them, and he sent fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people on the outskirts of the camp. And now the people go crazy. Verse 2. Then the people screamed to Moses for help, and when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. The fact is, complaining offends God. And the fact is, God tells us, don't complain. The New Testament speaks very clearly of it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Listen to this. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Everything. He said, do it without complaining, without fussing. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, don't use foul and abusive language. He said, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement. To those who hear them. We know what happens when we complain. It sucks the life. Not just out of us. Out of everybody around us. You have that person that you know. It's at your office or at work or someone in your family. And they're the complainer, right? And you see them coming and you try to go the other direction. You try to stay away from them. They walk up into a conversation and you excuse yourself and get out of it, right? Because why? They, they suck the life out of you. That's what complaining does. And if we were to be honest, all of us at some point, very possibly, are sometimes, sometimes we are that person. Sometimes we are the complainer. But listen, let's go back to Philippians again. Let's read that. Philippians 2, verse 14. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing. But here's why. Verse 15. So that you may become blameless and pure, and here it is, children of God without any fault in a crooked and depraved generation. In other words, he's saying this, don't complain so that. You can be more like Jesus. Don't complain. Why? So you can be more like Jesus. Here's a big thing about complaining. Listen, listen to Luke 6.45. You've heard us use this verse frequently. I, I love this verse because it's so telling for my life. Luke 6.45. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And I think that's what is so dramatic and traumatic for me. Because I realize if it came out of my mouth, there's something in my heart that's growing it. Mm, that's important. So, life gets tough, things get irritating. Things get difficult. Isn't complaining normal, right? The answer is yes. I I think it is normal. But God doesn't want normal. Now, if anybody had a reason to complain, I would say Paul, the Apostle Paul, had a reason to complain. He's got a huge list of reasons he should be able to complain. He was beaten. And by that, I don't mean that he got a spanking with a belt. No. No. He was beaten with rods, you know, and that doesn't sound all that bad. Watch the passion of the Christ and see the rod beating that Jesus took. That's similar to what happened to Paul. He was beaten. Paul was even stoned. People who survived stonings, not many. Paul was stoned. He was shipwrecked more than once. He was imprisoned, not because he did a heinous crime. He was because he was talking about Jesus. And Paul knew that he would be facing in his future an execution. With all of this, listen to what Paul said. Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. This is just past what we just read. He said, do all this without complaint. Now listen to what else he said. He said, but I will rejoice. Even if I lose my life, pouring it out, my life, like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God, he said. And I want all of you to share that joy. He goes on to say in verse 18, yes, he said, you should rejoice, and then I'll share your joy. He had many, 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 many reasons to complain, but instead he said, I'm going to look deep inside of me, and instead of complaining, I'm going to find a reason to rejoice. And that's what he said. That's what I want you to do as well, Paul said. I'm going to find a reason to rejoice and it's going to impact you. You're going to have some joy because of that. You're going to find a reason to rejoice and guess what? It's going to impact me. I'm going to find some joy from that as well. Just like complaining will suck the life out of the people around you, rejoicing will infuse them with some kind of joy, unexplainable. He said, look deep inside of you, because what is in your heart is going to come out of your life, out of your mouth. And he said, look deep inside and find something To rejoice over. Listen to what rejoice defined says. The definition. It says to feel. That means we feel like rejoicing. Or to show. Which means we may not feel like it. But we might decide to do it anyway. To feel or show great joy or delight. We don't even have to feel it to reveal it. You can choose to show it and begin to grow it. Does that make sense? Deep inside, we can find something to rejoice over instead of complain about. When we're tempted to complain, we can say, I'm not. I'm going to make a choice to rejoice. We don't have to feel it to reveal it. And if we choose to show it, we can begin to grow it. Paul made this choice. He made a choice to rejoice. Asking us to make a choice to look deep inside of our heart and to find something, something in there that we can rejoice over. A choice to put rejoicing in our heart. To choose To rejoice over something no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. There is always something to rejoice over. We just have to see it. We just have to look for it. We have to stop the cycle of negativity and the cycle of complaining and choose to rejoice. So here's our bottom line today. This is what we're asking you to do with us today. Restraining, complaining, by voicing, rejoicing. We're simply today asking you to do what Paul said to do. Restraining, complaining, by voicing, rejoicing. To look. Instead of complaining, look. Stop ourselves from thinking about it, from saying it. To, and choose, choose to stop and look into our heart. And find something to rejoice over and let that begin to surface and let it come out. Because complaining keeps us trapped on the problem. And rejoicing is going to free us up to move towards a solution. And here's the thing. We're not just asking you to think thoughts about rejoicing we're asking you to actually say it out loud restraining complaining by voicing rejoicing now let's jump back to what's happening in this story so the workers they got the word that the, the enemies all around them were very angry And they wanted to come and intimidate them. They wanted to come and and kill them and, and, and stop the wall from being built. So Nehemiah placed guards everywhere. Now listen to verse 14 in this chapter of Nehemiah. Then as I looked over the situation, Nehemiah said, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and I said to them, don't be afraid of this enemy. Remember the Lord. Now listen, he's voicing rejoicing. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. He's, the people were upset, they were complaining, and now he's going to be restraining, complaining by voicing, rejoicing. He said, listen, remember, don't, don't focus on the problem. He said, instead, remember the Lord who is great and glorious. And then he moves on to the solution. Now go fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes restraining complaining by voicing rejoicing and here's what happened they stopped complaining and the people began to work from sun up to sun down every single day day after day after day and when they weren't working they were guarding and everyone even who was working at that moment they worked with this hand and they had a sword in this hand They moved on to the solution. They didn't focus on the problem when they began rejoicing. Voicing their rejoicing. They were restraining complaining by voicing rejoicing. And they made it work. Even when nothing is going right around us and everything seems to be going wrong or is going wrong. There's always something to rejoice over because we can always brag about our God. Restraining, complaining by voicing, rejoicing. And here is what we are asking you to do today. The next step, the letter A, is simply this. We're asking you to make a list, not just something in your mind, to actually write it down either on a piece of paper or send it as a text to yourself. If you didn't know you could do that, you can. That's how I make all of my lists. Write a text to yourself. Write it on paper somehow where you have it with you. A list of all the things that you are thankful for. That you can rejoice over things that God has done for you and through you. Or things he has allowed in your life that have changed you and and impacted you and made you better. And then all the things that you can think of at that moment that God is to you. And how amazing and glorious he is. Will you write that down? make an actual list and here's why in case i have trouble finding something in a circumstance in which i find myself just in case you have trouble finding something to rejoice over when you get bad news or you get irritated or your feelings get hurt In case you have trouble coming up with something, you've already got it on paper and you can look down and you can see it. Or it's in your phone and you can see it. And we're not asking you to just think about it. We're not saying restraining complaining by thinking about rejoicing. We're asking you to restrain complaining by voicing rejoicing looking inside of your heart and finding something you can say instead of complaining about what's irritating you, finding something on that list that you can say, this is something God is doing and I'm rejoicing over this. And it will impact not just your outlook on life, but it's going to impact the people around you. When you choose to voice, you're rejoicing. And I'm not talking about saying something cliche. Like God is great. Like God is good all the time. And I'm not making fun of you or saying don't say that. I'm just saying when the people around you hear you say something like that, if they don't go to church, and this is who you're hoping to have an influence on, if they are not active in a church, when they hear you say that, they think you're very silly. But when you say something personal about you, that you are rejoicing even though something is irritating you and you could complain. You instead choose to say something that God is doing in your life or around your life or through your life that is good. Or you say something good about your God. Something that's personal to you. Not something that you read on a Facebook post or a Pinterest post. Something That's personal to you. When you say that. You're voicing rejoicing. That is going to cause them to feel something as well. It changes your outlook. And it lovingly impacts them as well. Because they know we could complain. But we chose something different. Because what's inside of our heart comes out of our mouths. And if we can pause just long enough to look inside of our heart and find that thing that we can rejoice over. Because when we choose instead to complain... Not only does it suck the life out of us and not only does it suck the life out of them, but it it offends God. Imagine with me your very response to a tough circumstance, to something that's unfair, to influences that are out of your control, your very response... Not only influences how you will see this, but your outlook will also influence the people that are around you. The people around us are also surrounded by negative things. They're surrounded by the same things you are, and your response can dramatically influence their lives as well. The lives of your co-workers, the lives of your family, the lives of your cashier at the restaurant, the lives of your uh, of your table waiter at the restaurant, your outlook and you voicing rejoicing can impact them as well. and. It will impact your children will you pray with me God my father I know that my negativity and complaining offends you because out of the overflow of my heart my mouth speaks and God I don't want to be full of negative things that drag me down a bitter road of thoughts and words Rather, God, help me to focus on you and the good that you are doing. Help me to control my mind and my words, God, by focusing on you and your words. No matter my circumstances, God, I want to rejoice in you, Father. You have done great things. You are doing great things. Thank you for giving me a voice to express my love for you, God. Because, Jesus, you died for me and you rose again. And I can give you control of my mind and my words, and I will need your help today. In the name of Jesus, you who died on the cross for me, that's the name we pray. Amen. Amen.